Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. On today's show, I'll broadcast just the first question of a panel discussion between women of colour involved in the Alliance of Middle Eastern and North African Socialists. You'll hear when the compare introduces the panel that the whole discussion goes for about two hours, but of course we don't have time for that on Accent of Women. We'll post a link to the whole call on our Facebook page. The discussion took place in August 2019, which was at the height of the recent uprisings in Sudan and Algeria. A content warning on today's program, there is discussion about the use of rape in war and the struggle for women in the context of these rapes. But now, over to the panel discussion. Hello everyone. Here I would like to welcome the audience on behalf of the uh, Alliance of Middle East and North African Socialists. My name is Fatima Masjidi, an academic activist, a member of the Alliance of Middle East and North African Socialists based in Berlin. I would like to um, welcome these speakers and introduce them first. We have Sarah Abbas in our uh, uh, panel today, doctoral candidate in political science and a feminist who researches social movements in Sudan. She has written for Transition uh, magazine, Open Democracy and the Nation. The second panelist, Selma Omari, Algerian French member of the uh, new anti-capitalist in France. She's involved in anti-racist struggle as well as international solidarity. The format of the program today is two hours for the panel to answer questions, 30 minutes for the questions from the Facebook audience at the end, which can be sent to the Alliance Facebook page. The first question today goes to on, uh, only to uh, Sarah and um, Selma. What is new in the Sudanese and Algerian uprising in terms of women's uh, consciousness, participation, organ organizing, opposition to patriarchy and, and affirmative demands for women's emancipation? Sarah, please, you go first. Um, hi, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, thanks a lot, Fatima, and thanks to everyone. I'm really looking forward to, to participating in the discussion. Um, I won't go very much into the background of, of, of the Sudanese revolution, which uh, began in December. We, we had a, another event, a uh, live stream event, a couple of months ago that we already discussed a lot of what was happening. So in terms of, of what is new, um, there's a lot that has happened since uh, the beginning of June. Um, and the beginning of June was uh, when the military uh, and the militias, the military transitional council um, and the militias affiliated with it uh, that are also represented on this council um, uh, very brutally uh, uh, ended the, the, the sitting, the two month sitting that had been taking, taking place by protesters and revolutionaries in front of the military general command in Khartoum and also in other uh, cities. So smaller sittings were happening in other cities. 
Um, this was at the very end of Ramadan. The sittings had been uh, going very strong. And so the military very um, brutally uh, uh, repressed uh, these sittings. Um, many, many people were killed. Uh, many were arrested. And in terms of particularly in relation to women, there was a policy um, of using uh, uh, rape uh, and sexual assault as a weapon of war against women protesters. Um, so during that time, we saw um, uh, many uh, situations where um, militias, when I say militias, I mean the, the Janjaweed um, RSF militias, whose leader sits on the Transitional Military Council, um, uh, assaulting women on the street, uh, raping women, as well as men. There are reports that men are also raped, although that is very much of a taboo subject. So uh, there haven't been any men, as far as I know, that have come out and spoken about that. Um, and, and there are also um, women that are still missing to this day since those since June 3rd and the days that followed. Um, that uh, I believe that that uh, tactic, the main purpose of it, uh, was to try to put a stop to the participation of women in street protests in Sudan. Um, women have been one of the kind of driving forces of this revolution. They have been at the forefront of it since December. And there's almost, you could almost say that there is a kind of social revolution also happening along with the political one in the sense that especially during the days of the sitting you saw that women were also uh, spending the night at the sitting this was a 24 hours a day seven days a week sitting of occupying that space and uh, families had become increasingly uh, more comfortable with also allowing uh, the women in their families to go which for us is 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 different um this is something that we have never seen to this scale before. They sort of at the beginning of the revolution, um, a lot of especially young women, Sudan is predominantly composed of youth. A lot of young women sort of had to sneak out of home in order to participate in the protest. But as the protests uh, picked up momentum and particularly as the sitting picked up momentum and the occupation picked up mo momentum, you saw that, um, you know, you'd find, you know, sometimes, uh, women and their mothers and their daughters and, and, and many members of the family actually being on the in the protest site. And so I firmly believe, and I think a lot of Sudanese feminists share this belief that, uh, you know, it's not the first time that rape has been used as a weapon of war, of course, in the war affected areas in Sudan, like in Darfur, uh, Nuba Mountains, and, and Blue Nile, women have long been subjected to, to, to rape and to sexual assault. And this had been brought into uh, the, the site of the protest in Khartoum as a way of silencing women. Um, it didn't work. Um, of course, it has it's caused a lot of pain. And to this day, we don't have anyone account held accountable for that or for the killings that took place. But um, there were some very difficult weeks. Uh, it was unclear because also the, uh, the internet had been shut down. Um, whether the protest would continue at all, um, and particularly whether women would come out in the protest. And um, uh, there was a, a, a mass strike, um, which was successful in the weeks following this. But uh, the really important day was June 30th, uh, where a very big protest took place um, in Khartoum, and a smaller protest took place elsewhere, where women were just as represented as they were, that they came out and actually in the nightly protest in the neighborhoods leading up to this and kind of mobilizing for this protest, it was also really 
moving to see that uh, women, although many were afraid, still um, insisted on continuing their struggle. Um, what is important to say is that um, this violence has not stopped the negotiations between the opposition political forces, uh, the, the forces for freedom and change, um, and the Transitional Military Council. And uh, in fact, uh, there has been a political agreement that was reached, a kind of power sharing agreement between the military and the forces for freedom and change. And just like last night, we got the news that the constitutional agreement was also reached, which in theory would usher in a period of uh, three, just over three years transition period. Um, and uh, there has been also a lot of um, struggle around this issue of women's representation. Uh, because as strongly as women have been represented on the streets, they have not been well represented in the negotiations, so in the political process, the sort of elite political process that's happening. And they, we saw at some point a retreat from one of the demands of the Declaration for Freedom and Change, which is the, the primary document that kind of encapsulates the demands of the, 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 the revolution that has a, a wide legitimacy on the street. And one of the core demands in that is an end to all forms of discrimination um, and, and oppression against women. So through that, the, the, the revolutionary movement was, uh, is, was committing or is committing to uh, dealing with that as a core issue going forward and then in the sort of, sort of uh, new Sudan, right? And we saw a kind of retreat in that as the political negotiations happened, which of course is not new. You often see in many movements that women are the backbones of a lot of these movements, but when we get into the high level political processes, the division of seats, the decision on who becomes minister and who sits in the parliament and who sits in our case on the transitional Supreme Council, then you see this kind of attitude coming sometimes even from comrades, from male comrades who have been there day in and out, standing shoulder to shoulder with women on the street, basically saying, you know, you need to step back now. Thank you very much for uh, everything you've done, but uh, uh, we'll take it from here. And so Sudanese women have very much resisted um, this kind of marginalization and uh, have done two important things in the last weeks. One was uh, basically holding um, public protests which, in which many men also participated and to the credit of the Sudanese Professionals Association, which is leading the forces for freedom and change. They have also backed this and called for it. There have been many stands around the country that are essentially standing with women who have been raped, many of whom could not say that they have been raped, many of whom are suffering in silence from this to say not only that we um, stand with you, but that you deserve justice. Um, and this has been important because there is so much focus on what we in Sudan call the martyrs, the, the, the people who are killed, shot and killed. Some of them are women, but many of them are men or the majority of them are men. And, and so this was uh, important to stand up to also a culture that tends to stigmatize and to um, marginalize and shame women for being sexually assaulted, right? Rather than shame their uh, victimizers. And so this is important. There was a lot of messages there saying you are, you know, to these women, you are whole, you are respected, you are valuable, you are our comrade and we stand with you. And uh, I mean, as much as I have a problem with the politics of wholeness and purity and all of these ideas, I have to say that it is important in that context 
to say that because normally, you know, we have had cases in the country where women who have been sexually assaulted or raped have been, you know, either, you know, kicked out of their families or forced to marry their rape rapists in some cases. So it's been a very important move, I think, to to essentially put the blame on the victimizers rather than on the victims. And, um, and in that, I really want to, you know, bring attention to Sophia Ishag, who a young woman member of um, Grifna Social Movement, who a few years back in the protest was uh, gang raped by security forces, uh, by government security. And she is, to my memory, or at least in my lifetime, the first woman that, woman that decided to come out publicly and speak about her rape. And it, it really cost her a lot. She had to flee the country, but it was a massively important moment. And I think, you know, in revolutions, we tend to forget uh, all the struggles and the sacrifices that were made to get us to this point. So I would say that um, right now, one of the, you know, I mentioned that that, that the stands again, the stand in support of women who, who have been raped and calling for justice for them is one important um, aspect of what the women's movement has been able to do in Sudan in, in recent weeks. The other is there have been uh, a lot of agitation around the representation of women in the transitional structures, whether it's the government or the parliament or on the Supreme Council. Um, there has been uh, a demand for 50% representation, and this demand has is very loud, and it's coming mostly it's uh, to a to an extent at an elite level in that it's coming um, with it's coming from um, mainly women who work with organizations like the Sudanese Women's Union, which has been banned for many decades under the dictatorship. It's a it's a left wing organization that dates back to the 1950s um, that has you know, played a really important role at that time and the 50s and 60s in securing for women very important rights. Um, uh, and uh, they had, were banned uh, in the dictatorship in the 1970s. And you could see that organization kind of co recoalescing or reforming, as well as some smaller associations that are also coming up. One very important one, really almost in the last days, is um, the, the association of young Sudanese women. And that's important because um, there is a kind of generational gap often between women in the Sudanese Women's Union and the youth, uh, the women, the young women who are out on the street. And so this is an attempt by young women to also have their voices heard and to, to agitate for uh, what they believe is important in this transition and for their vision as well. Um, I would say that the, there is still a, a strong weakness, which is that we have a very strong uh, uh, class division there because a lot of the very active uh, women in the women's movement tend to come from um, the professional uh, unions and the professional and middle classes um, that are mostly Khartoum centered, but not wholly, who very much are standing with women in rural areas and in the war areas. But the voices of those women do not get as much of a platform in Sudan. So they are often represented by these women rather than representing themselves. So I don't want to make it sound like some kind of uh, utopia because I think um, if you look at it intersectionally, we have a, a hell of a lot of work that we, we still uh, need to do. Um, in terms of this deal, I mean, of course, the biggest concern is that uh, this movement from the beginning has been calling for a civilian uh, transition in a country that has been ruled by the military for all but 11 years of its uh, post-independence history, so since 1956. 
Um, and we the, the transition forces a kind of uh, power sharing with the military. Um, and so that, of course, raises several questions. The military is one of the biggest, and the militias as well are one of the biggest sources of violence against women. The security services and the police have also been, um, through public order laws, uh, policing how women dress, where women can go, and so forth, have been incredibly um, abusive. And this partly explains why women have been so active in this revolution, because they have a lot at stake and they have suffered a lot in the particularly in the last three decades. Um, so the question is, you know, at the moment that we're facing is what's going to happen to the street movement now that there is going to be this formal transition? How will women be represented in these structures? Who makes these decisions? But also, um, does the fact that the military now become a part of uh, this government, um, what does that do for issues of impunity, for having to face the crimes that uh, have been committed against women, including the rapes, including the fact that we are still missing, there are still women that were at the sitting, for example, from the um, Association of uh, Food and Tea Sellers. You know, so this is an association of women who work in the markets who have been very important uh, organizing themselves, but also have been very important in supporting the revolution, particularly during the days of the sitting. There are still members of that organization that have not been found to this day. So, um, so the question that we are asking is, what will this deal? What does this deal mean in terms of all these uh, issues and in terms of uh, achieving justice for women and in terms of finding out who is still imprisoned, making sure that those people receive the, 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 the reparations that they deserve, that those that are missing are found, but also that those that have committed rape and, and other forms of violence against women are also uh, uh, dealt with. And of course, um, you know, what, what is the kind of economy that we want to build? What is the kind of justice system that we want to build? Um, are we going to do this in a gender blind way that doesn't take into account the ways in which, you know, the justice system particularly has tended to victimize women and the ways in which the economy has also done that to women? And so these, there's a lot of questions at the moment, but uh, this kind of gives the, a sense of, of where we're at, at least in the last few Thank you, Sarah. Um, I'll ask the same question uh, to Salma. Uh, Salma, what is new in Algerian uprising in terms of women's consciousness, participation, organizing, opposition to patriarchy and affirmative demands for women emancipation? Concerning the question first, uh, I'd like to assert the fact that the countries we are talking about are independent uh, for I would say 60 years, which is, I would, which is a new history. So since the independence, the Algerian independence in 1962, it's the first time that we witnessed such a big movement, such a massive movement in which everybody is involved, in which uh, women take confidence, take to the streets, which is not, you know, that the issue of public space is a universal problem within women's rights. And it's important to see people gaining confidence, and especially women getting confidence within the movement. And uh, the, the renewal of feminism can only exist uh, through such a movement in which you have um, a liberation of uh, public, I would say, a public speech and uh, weekly demonstrations in every city. And it's a, I, I, I would like to assess on it because it's, Algeria, as well as Sudan, are very big countries with different regions, different dynamics. But the fact is that every week you have 
lots and lots of women taking up to the streets, talking with their own language, with different languages, but asserting their own, uh, I would say, agency um, uh, uh, as, as women. And this is where, and when it happens, uh, contradictions with the existing order uh, sprung up. So, uh, especially in the case of women, uh, the fact that they assert their place in the public space has raised uh, sharp debates uh, within the existing, uh, I would say, theoretic, what would say the existing practice, practices in which women are put aside and left in the, um, in the, in the, in the private, so-called private space. So there is a sharp move, uh, an interesting move since the beginning of the Friday demonstration that was led up by uh, feminist groups. So those feminist groups exist for a long time. Uh, they raise up in the, in the dynamic of the fight for independence and still exist as such, they assert also an independent feminist that is not, well, opponents say it is a Western import, but actually uh, femini feminism in Algeria is very much linked with women's participation and active participation in the fight for independence against the French trying to drag women's rights against uh, against, um, I would say, the, the independentists. So uh, it is important to say that because those movements have proposed to make um, a feminist block in every Friday demonstration so women can be confident to come to the demonstration, but at the same time, they are protected because they are organized and, and they assert their own demands because the lessons that's been, I would say, uh, learned from the past uh, experience is that only women can achieve women's rights. Independence, the, the independence movement was having lots of promises from women's rights, but in 1984, uh, within, within the whole general you know, idea that the state is our state and some kind of, well, I won't enter to the details, but in 1984 was clearly, um, uh, a break uh, from that promise, like we are all together, we're all brothers and sisters, is the family code that's been settled that um, really, um, I would say, states women's, uh, women's status as minors. So they don't have that much independence, actually, after the independence. So uh, to focus, two things in which uh, this feminist bloc focus on the demonstration, especially in the capital Algiers, but also in small scale cities, is that first we want social justice for women, and second we want the abolition of the family code, which is, uh, which is not acceptable. And we have to understand that this movement is, that, is not that much organized as such, doesn't really have representatives, uh, it is mostly a movement from below. It is still some kind of, it still has this spontaneous thing and this uh, relationship to power that is very, I would say, very, they don't trust. They don't trust anyone. They don't trust any way of like, they are trying to deal with people 
to say, okay, we had an agreement, but this agreement is not recognized among the people because it's not, uh, the, the, these people who reach an agreement doesn't, don't have any, had any link with the local, the local dynamics. So within this dynamic, uh, feminist movements uh, have sprung up, some collectives uh, started to exist in some cities, according to one of a feminist call, they had a national meeting, 17 feminist group had a national meeting on the, from the 20 to the 22nd uh, month of June and made a statement, a global statement um, calling for social justice for women uh, against the abolition of the family code, stating equal rights between women and women so the interesting thing is that the movement gave confidence not only to, 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 to women locally to assert themselves on the streets, but help also some, to shape some kind of national network of feminist mo movements that exist locally in smaller scale cities. And I think it's a promising dynamic that could spread so you you don't just end up with those classic this classic view of feminist bourgeois in big cities talking about rights in general but from a simple idea that we need a feminist block within the demos we went from that to um, national gathering of different groups and certainly people these women are trying to reach more and more other other women to participate within the movement the other element I would like just to add, add is historical. The, 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 the fact that there are still uh, mujahidat, so women figures of the revolution that's never been dealing with the power and they, they, they became uh, national figures of integrity and those national figures of integrity that are still exist are women. That's an interesting point, which means that Maybe there is something within women's, women's position, uh, the fact that they are still oppressed, there must, might be some truth in it for the, for the whole society. You've been listening to a panel discussion of women of colour involved in the Alliance of Middle Eastern and North African Socialists. The whole panel discussion goes for two hours and we'll post a link to our Facebook page so that you can hear the rest of it. And that's all we have time for on today's program of Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.